The Deep Dive Podcast presents Mysteries of the Deep. Hello, divers. I'm Tom Feeney, amateur detective and low-grade sociopath. This is a side project of the Deep Dive Podcast, where myself and my co-host Manda take a look at some of the more obscure offerings available on streaming media. This week, we'll dive into the mystery of one of Hollywood's worst filmmakers. In fact, he's so bad, he doesn't even exist. Mysteries of the Deep presents... Who is the mystery director named Alan Smithy? No one ever claimed that being a Hollywood movie director is an easy job. Movies are, after all, art made by committee. Sure, you call the shots on the set, but usually someone else writes the script. You have to deal with producers, actors, and studio executives who all have something to say about how you do your job. Film directors are represented by a craft union, the Directors Guild of America. One of the DGA's tasks is to ensure that directors are given proper credit for their work. In most cases, this is a pretty easy thing. The director of a film is credited as the director. It's pretty straightforward. Unless it isn't. The recent Freddie Mercury biopic Bohemian Rhapsody is one example. He's the director of Bohemian Rhapsody, one of the hottest movies of the year, with a career full of giant hits, including The Usual Suspects. I got to make like I was notorious. And four X-Men movies. Now, as for Bohemian Rhapsody, you may remember that Singer was actually fired as director during the final stages of filming amid reports of discord on the set and absences due to what he later said were family health issues. The big question, will any of this affect the movie's uh, Oscar chances? We're going to have to wait and see on that one. Director Brian Singer, known best for directing several of the X-Men movies, was removed from Bohemian Rhapsody's director's chair two weeks before filming was complete. Reports of Singer's bad behavior during production began swirling around Hollywood. Being regularly absent from the shoot, having altercations with actor Rami Malek, and having temper tantrums on set were some of the reasons given. Now, Singer has downplayed reports of his firing. But after his firing, 20th Century Fox hired British director Dexter Fletcher to complete the film. So that begs the question, who gets the credit for directing Bohemian Rhapsody. As much as Fox may have wanted to remove Singer's name from the credits due to the growing controversy that surrounded him, it really wasn't their call. That's where the Directors Guild of America comes in. All DGA contracts have a strict clause that there can be only one director per film, and the DGA has final say over who is credited as director. There is an odd exception to that rule. Directing partners like the Coen brothers or the Russo brothers who directed the last two Avengers movies are considered to be a single directing entity. But that was not the case with Bohemian Rhapsody. In that case, the DGA determined that Singer gets sole credit as director. Singer was involved with the development, casting, and production of the movie. So the credit 
went to singer, not Dexter Fletcher. It's easy to see how a filmmaker can feel like a piece of salt water taffy being pulled in a bunch of different directions. In some cases, this meddling can have a negative impact on the final product. It's pretty safe to say that the vast majority of directors don't go into the job wanting to make a bad movie. Sometimes, though, a director can be so upset over how their film turned out, they don't even want their name attached to it. What happens then? Well, things get a little complicated. It's pretty clear that, at least according to the Directors Guild, someone has to be credited with the job of director. It's not a good look to see directed by nobody on the silver screen. During the first half century of the movie industry, you had to have your name on the credits as director whether you wanted it there or not. The DGA did not allow directors to use a pseudonym instead of their real name. That rule changed in 1969 because of a three-way tug-of-war between two directors and one lead actor over who got credit for directing a Western picture. This gunfighter was the law for 20 years until a hate-ridden town took the law into its own hands and turned on the gunfighter. Richard Woodmark, rebel with a badge in Death of a Gunfighter. We don't have any law in this jerkwater town. He's the law. Come get me, Frank. This gunfighter lived by the law of the gun. Now the town plotted to use it against him. Hey! Hey! Mr. Austin, he's our gun for the marshal. Lena Horn, the only woman in town with the courage to support him. I want to marry you. After all these years, why are you just asking me today? I tried my damnedest not to kill him. Does it matter? It matters that you believe Isn't me. it more important that they believe you? I don't care what they believe. This gunfighter throws a penetrating spotlight on the behavior of an entire town in the manner of high noon and reveals the hidden motives that make one man the town's target. Frank patches your conscience and you fellas are afraid. We want him out right now. I'm asking you to resign before they kill you. Get the hell out of here, Lou. Death of a Gunfighter, a 1969 Western starring veteran actor Richard Widmark, was directed by Alan Smithy, which is all well and good except for one minor detail. There is no Alan Smithy. But here's what happened. The film was originally directed by Robert Totten, who had a great deal of experience directing television westerns, including numerous episodes of the classic show Gunsmoke. Death of a Gunfighter was Totten's chance to get back into directing feature films. But he had one thing working against him, his lead actor. Richard Widmark, already a star from his work in films like Kiss of Death, No Way Out, and Judgment at Nuremberg, was unhappy with Totten's work on the film and demanded that he be replaced. Totten was replaced, but not before most of the movie had already been shot. For the final days of shooting, director Don Siegel was brought in. Now, Siegel was best known for directing the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers back in 1956. (music) 
After Death of a Gunfighter was finished, neither man wanted to take credit. Totten didn't want it because he was mad at having been replaced. Siegel didn't want it because he felt he really didn't contribute that much to the final film. Well, that's when the Directors Guild was brought in to mediate. An agreement was reached to use a pseudonym instead of either director's names. The name they chose? Alan Smithy. Why? Well, Al Smith was already taken. After Death of a Gunfighter was released, it was praised by movie critics, including Roger Ebert himself. Ebert specifically called attention to the movie's director, Alan Smithy, not realizing there was no such person. Since then, the name had been utilized many times on movies, TV shows, video games, music videos, even comic books, when a creator did not want their real name associated with a project. And yes, you can find the lengthy Alan Smithy filmography on the Internet Movie Database. It reads like a laundry list of flops, stinkers, and true disasters. Perhaps the worst Alan Smithy film was titled An Alan Smithy Film, also called Burn, Hollywood, Burn. This is the inside story on the greatest action-adventure film ever made and never seen. Because the director stole the film. I didn't want to release another terrible movie. This was a very big picture with a very big budget. Whoopi and Jackie and Sly Mother. So we all go down in flames. I'm Whoopi Goldberg. I can't die. I never die, okay? On the line is the director of Alan Smithy. Kiss my bum, Larry. Puck her up. Are you pucking up? Yes. It's a drama to rival any movie. They threatened to kill me. A scandal the whole world was talking about. To outrage. Is this movie really a piece of... Any producer. Get out of here. Get out of here. Get out. There are Alan Smithy fan clubs forming across the country. Excuse me. From the glamour. I'm a producer, not a pimp. There's a difference. To the greed. We would have outgrossed E.T. I told him. This is the movie Deal. Hollywood doesn't want you to see. Scary. Go! Ryan O'Neill, Eric Idle, <laughs> Richard Jenny, Coolio, Chuck D, Sylvester Stallone. You know, I'm doing this for free, so don't break my... You have to edit that out. Whoopi Goldberg. What are you, God? Jackie Chan. <laughs> Burn, Hollywood. Burn. Is the movie really that bad? It's worse than Showgirls. It's a 1997 film about a British director with the actual name Alan Smithy, played by Eric Idle. He wants to disown the movie he made, but can't because his name is Alan Smithy. So he plans to steal and destroy the actual film itself. Now, you heard the cast in the trailer. This was no little indie movie. There were big stars that agreed to be in this film. And, like all Alan Smithy films before it, It was bad, really bad, like 8% on Rotten Tomatoes, bad. And to make Burn Hollywood Burn even more cringy, it features a cameo by disgraced, loathsome, and morally delinquent producer Harvey Weinstein. Mm. After being a financial and critical fiasco, not to mention bringing unwanted attention to the use of the Alan Smithy pseudonym, the Directors Guild decided to discontinue the use of that name on motion pictures made under the guidance of the DGA. 
In some cases, when a feature film is re-edited for television without the original director's input, they will have their name removed from the edited film. For example, when director David Lynch's ambitious and incomprehensible sci-fi epic Dune was re-edited and extended for television, Lynch had his name removed and replaced with Alan Smithy. Lynch also had his screenwriting credit removed and replaced with the pseudonym Judas Booth, combining the names of the Bible's greatest narc and Abraham Lincoln's least favorite actor. These days, more generic-sounding names are used when a director wants their name removed from a film. This is to prevent any potential negativity being attached to the movie. But if you're a movie director who doesn't want to be associated with the film you made, odds are good that your movie isn't. Thanks for listening. If this is the first time you've heard this podcast, check out our past episodes and subscribe so you don't miss a single one. And we want to hear from you. Drop us a line at the Deep Dive Podcast at gmail.com or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter feeds. You can find links to those on our website, thedeepdivepodcast.com. All clips used in this podcast are meant for educational purposes only and not to infringe on existing copyrights. Mysteries of the Deep is a production of Automaton Studios. Thank you.